Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trashy Divorces Midweek Edition. It's Trashy Breakups. My name is Stacy. Hey, friends. I'm Alicia. Thanks for joining us today for a little Wednesday episode of Trash Candy for our Season 15 Hall of Famers. And you've got a Hall of Famer and royal personage, I believe. Holy cats. I know I talk a lot of poop about Henry VIII (laughs) and other terrible male rulers of kingdoms. But as terrible female rulers go, I think I have our winner winner Mm. chicken dinner. Fantastic. Empress Anna of Russia. We covered her story within our Trashy Romanovs arc on Patreon, but it was worth brushing off this copy to reveal this scandalous story for everyone. Empress Anna, cold as ice. (laughs) This story haunts me on a daily basis. It's terrible. It's trashy. I think you'll love it. I can't wait to hear it. Empress Anna of Russia. Oh, my. She was born January 28th, 1693. So that's how far we're going back in our timetable. Anna is widely considered to be the worst empress of Russia that has ever, ever existed. It's a competitive category, though. Let me give you a little background. Anna is vengeful. She's bitter-hearted and completely unhinged. (laughs) Absolutely great combination of traits. In addition to her mostly being illiterate and having appalling manners, she was also fairly unpleasant to look at. Author Thomas Carlyle describes Anna where her cheeks look like a quote-unquote Westphalian ham. She's the package. The full... Full package. Anna was, however, gifted in a few areas, mostly inventing cruel punishments and tortures. She was incredibly paranoid about conspiracies against her. Great. So her punishments and tortures were put into widespread and frequent use. Many historians refer to Anna's 10-year reign as the quote-unquote dark era in Russian history. Which, frankly, has so many dark eras. (laughs) One minister said her time on the throne was, quote, comparable to a storm-threatened ship manned by a pilot and crew who are all drunk, unquote. Haunts me daily. Mm -hmm. So during the first part of Peter the Great's reign, he had a co-czar, his half-brother Ivan V. No one ever really talks about Ivan V, because he's really only there for ceremonial purposes. Ivan V is also mentally and physically ill throughout his life. He has unexplained spells of going into a vegetative state with no warning. Because of this, Ivan V is often called Ivan the Ignorant. Anna is one of Ivan V's daughters, which is how we get to her ill-fated reign. Let's get into it. Oh, for the first three years of Anna's young life, she lives lavishly at court as the co-monarch's daughter. But Ivan V, her father, dies at a pretty young age. He dies at 29 in 1696. Anna's three years old. After that, her mother and all of her sisters move away from court, and Anna is kept isolated, very much sheltered within her home. Anna's mother is a little bit old-fashioned, You know, for the 17th century. (laughs) In Russia. 
and does not believe in giving girls any education. So Anna will remain mostly illiterate throughout her life. Cool, cool, cool. Even as a young child, just a young, young wee lass, Anna shows signs of disturbing behavior. Courtiers started calling her Ivana the Terrible before she's five years old. Don't you see the meme with the kid setting the yeah, house burning yeah. in the background? Yeah. Okay. Okay, Anna, at the age of 17, will marry Friedrich Wilhelm. He is the Duke of Courland. Also, he is the nephew of the Prussian king. Anna's wedding includes an extravagant ceremony and celebration in St. Petersburg. You think things are looking up? It's all going to go great for Anna, and as promising as things are looking, the wedding reception goes all kinds of wrong. What happens? Anna's uncle is Peter the Great, and he will challenge, Peter the Great will challenge Anna's new husband, the Duke of Courland, to a drinking contest. Okay. I thought you were going to say duel. Okay, go ahead. I think it almost is the same thing in Russia, right? Russian men take their drinking very seriously. And Peter the Great had had a lot of years to practice up his drinking tolerance where the poor Duke of Courland, nephew of the Prussian king, is kind of the FNG, right? Total new guy, not really, <laughs> does not possess the ability to compete with Peter the Great. Not exactly prepared to drink down a Russian czar. Okay. The groom is ill-matched for the emperor of all Russia. In fact, the groom drinks so much that he becomes extremely sick, from which he never recovers. On the couple's way back to Courland, this is modern-day Latvia, Frederick Wilhelm dies. <laughs> so he developed alcohol poisoning and basically dehydrated to death? Something. Peter the Great ends up killing her or first husband. did Peter the Great poison him? Hmm. Anna is left a humiliated teenage widow. Jeez. To add to her humiliation, Peter the Great decides to, loving uncle that he is, put on a second <laughs> copycat wedding ceremony. But this one is to mock Anna and Friedrich. This is an intricate and bizarre court extravaganza, farcical wedding. This is terrible. This is quite a family. Peter the Great has two little people acting as bride and groom, and all members of the court, as well as aristocracy throughout the land, are ordered to attend. Terrible. Yeah. Pretty bad. Anna's ordered by her uncle to continue living in Courland without her husband. She just doesn't get to come back. But Peter the Great will helpfully send a Russian representative to babysit her. This is Peter Bestichev Rumi. Peter had been appointed to head the Duchy of Courland after the death of the Duke. No worries. Soon Anna and Peter oh, become God. lovers. Of course they do. Anna wants to remarry. And she will send 300 letters to her family members, asking them to find her a match. I think these are probably... She can't write. She's illiterate. So she's uh, yeah. telling people to dictate letters to send to her family. Every letter that comes in, Peter the Great 
rejects them all, one after the other. But love wants to find a way for Anna. And in 1718, a man named Ernest Johann von Byron begins serving in Anna's household. She falls madly in love with him. And Ernest is an impoverished nobleman who had escaped from prison where he was serving a sentence for killing a soldier in a duel. So I want you to remember, Ernest Johann is going to remain a key figure in Anna's life throughout her reign. Just keep him in the picture. How do we get Anna to become empress? Because this shouldn't happen, right? Yeah. But after the death of Peter II, the Supreme Privy Council was scurrying to find an ideal ruler who would be no more than a figurehead. Someone who could carry on the Romanov dynasty, but a puppet. Right, not get in the way of the aristocrats. Yeah, okay. Anna, she's an ideal option. She's childless. She's a widow. She can't write. She's not well-educated. She doesn't have any favorites in Russia because we've had her outside of court and then in Courland. So the council feels like, (laughs) winner, winner, chicken dinner. Like, easy peasy. You'll be easy to control and we will just limit any actual authority that you have. Of course. (laughs) To this end, Anna was forced to sign a book of conditions before she ascended the throne. That's funny. A whole book that she couldn't read. A whole book that she couldn't read that she had to sign. But among these conditions and rules, uh, she's not able to marry. She's not able to declare war, nor is she able to declare an heir to the throne. Is she allowed to dispatch the police services to arrest all the nobles? (laughs) Probably not. She's not allowed to do anything. And the Supreme Privy Council is like, fantastic, fantastic, not a problem. We will keep her in line. Mm. She's gonna, she's just gonna tow the line. Is she aligned? Follow into step. Is she aligned to her, Alicia? They were wrong. (laughs) They were real wrong. Within one week after coming to Moscow and receiving the oath from the nobles and the army, Anna figures out how powerful she could be and will quickly invalidate every condition that she has agreed to. Obviously. She doesn't really have much interest in affairs of state, so she will put her longtime lover, Ernst Johan, in charge, and soon he becomes the unofficial ruler of Russia. Great. Supreme Privy Council doesn't really like this, not really into any of this plan so much. So Anna just dissolves the Supreme Council. I was going to say, I'm sure they just had a very forthright conversation, cleared the air. Okay, so she just dissolved the Privy Council. Mm -hmm. Knocks it out. Okay. Replaces it with a cabinet of ministers that she herself chooses. Mm -hmm. Old Ernst Johann will name himself the new Duke of Courland. And was chief advisor to Empress Anna. The highest government and military positions naturally are given to foreigners, which will cause a great deal of resentment among Russians. I wonder why. Things aren't going great at all. Her reign goes from 1730 to 1740. But because Anna is Anna, there is a tremendous amount of unrest within her people. Anna becomes paranoid of the conspiracies against her. So, easy peasy, she'll establish a secret chancellery to investigate any suspicion she may ever have that crosses her brain. Hmm. Healthy. 
Now, the secret chancellery arrests and tortures people. Excellent. Many people wrongly executed for her paranoid fantasies of conspiracy. Surprised to hear it continue. Anna does a few more things. She repeals Peter the Great's primogeniture law, allowing estates to be subdivided. Okay. Right? Primogeniture keeps everything together going to the first the male. Oldest mm-hmm. son, yeah. Okay. Not in Anna's land. She will then reorganize the military, which probably great. She'll <laughs> declare war on the Ottoman Empire, which doesn't end very well for Russia with the Peace of Belgrade in 1739. So Ernst Johann handling governmental affairs, Anna will spend her time indulging herself in every little pleasure she desires. Anna is super obsessed with the court gossip, all the rumors. So she's got a bunch of little birds, Mm. right? Several people who will constantly give her updates on what all the hot goss is. Anna likes to be surrounded also by jesters. To add to her hobbies, Anna (laughs) is also an avid hunter. Mm Mm-hmm. So when she wasn't on an organized hunt, she'd just take her rifle and go down to the park and just shoot at things. Birds, you know, whatevs. When she's particularly bored on some days, she'll have servants release wild animals on the palace grounds near her suites, and she'd just shoot shit out her window. Didn't even have to go downstairs. So, like, delivery. These are DiGiorno animals. Boom. One of Anna's most common punishments for upsetting or defying her was to have her men slit the noses of the offenders and then send them to Siberia. Okay. She's terrible. Yeah. Throughout her reign, Empress Anna had an ongoing and intense rivalry with her cousin, Elisaveta, the daughter of Peter the Great. Now, Elizaveta is considered to be one of the most beautiful women in Russia. She's beloved by the people, which means Anna hates her. Yeah, this is... (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could see a parallel with sisters Mary I of England and Elizabeth I. If you wanted to look at cousins Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots. Intense female rivalry here. Sure, but you've got the daughter of the co-emperor who would fall into vegetative states and is apparently not quite not a not a real beauty bad temperament and then meanwhile like the daughter of the the much loved Elizabeth she's a goddess supreme charismatic fun to be around beautiful yeah I'm sure oof so Anna naturally intensely jealous of Elizabeth will pull the same stunt that her uncle did to Anna and mm. declare that Elizaveta can never get married. Done. You can't marry a nobleman, number one. But Anna says to Elizaveta, if you marry a commoner, I will strip you of all of your titles, allowances, and claims to the throne. So essentially locking her down on any kind mm-hmm. of marriage prospect. There's one particular day at court that doesn't go great. Uh, Tired of hearing about Elizaveta's beauty. (laughs) Empress Anna will ask a Chinese minister who the most beautiful woman in the room was. 
Anna thought because she was empress, and, well, it is her room, Mm -hmm. that the minister wouldn't dare to declare anyone else more beautiful than she. The minister pointed to Elizaveta and said that she was, in fact, the most beautiful woman, and Anna was, well, not gracious in her response. How was the man's nose? Although Elizaveta couldn't marry anyone while Anna ruled, Elizaveta still got around had plenty of sexual relationships. She had a very steamy affair with Sergeant Alexei Shubin. Anna finds out about the affair and orders that Shubin's tongue be cut out and then exiled to Siberia. I feel like you could do one or the other and really get your point across too. Both just seems a little like overkill. Empress Anna is pretty terrible, but none of that is the terrible part. We're going to take a quick break hear from our sponsors when we come back it's getting real cold colder than ice around here we'll see you on the flip hi everybody i'm katie seagal and i'm kurt sutter and welcome to our new podcast called pie people influences and experiences yes it's sort of the uh get to know you at a deeper level the who what when where and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Trying to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. (laughs) Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So, Alicia, it gets worse. So much oh, worse. No. This is a little section I like to call <laughs> hair pulling, Prince Mikhail, chicken clucking fool, and the ice palace. There's a lot there. Empress Anna, as we know from childhood, that building on fire behind me, loves playing cruel games and tricks on people. She also loves being entertained by what is called a circus of grotesques. Hmm. So some of the people in her circus include Besnokia, the legless mama, Taldaryushka, the handless, and Garbuchka, the hunchback. So this is just, this just seems really cool and not at all exploitative. No, that, that's bad enough. <laughs> that's bad enough. But another one of Empress Anna's fun games is to make crippled elderly women have hair pulling fights. Just for fun. Like, I, it's terrible. Yeah. And the rule was that one of them had to draw blood before they could stop pulling each other's hair in the fight. Okay, that's bad. Oh, it's very bad. You ready for worse? Another particular favorite uh, entertainment choice for Anna was little people tossing. I hate the past. I hate the past. She had a favorite little person named Padrillo. And once when Anna's lover, Ernst Johan, asked if Padrillo's pregnant wife was as ugly as a goat, he invited the Empress and all of the court to go to his home where they found him in bed with a lactating goat in a nightdress. Apparently, everyone thought this was hilarious. 
There was another favorite little person of Anna's whose entire specialty is tickling Anna's feet. Oh, maybe we really should stop teaching history. I don't know. There are certain courtiers and aristocrats that Anna despises more than others, <laughs> which is probably going to go great Lucky for them. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of her most hated courtiers was Prince Mikhail Goylitsyn. Although Anna had inherited several court jesters from Peter I and Peter II, Empress Anna much preferred humiliating actual aristocrats by forcing them to become her fools and serve in her circus. Oh, that's that's neat. That's got to be a good day at court if you... Well, Prince Mikhail had actually secretly converted to Catholicism because he had fallen in love with this nice Italian girl. But Empress Anna hears about this and orders Prince Mikhail to leave his wife and serve as Anna's cupbearer for her quass. Sure, fermented beet beverage. Mm-hmm. Non-alcoholic fermented mm-hmm. cereal drink, K-V-A-S-S. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. pronounced a bunch of different ways. Sorry, right, not beet. It is, it is grain over there. It's like the Coca-Cola of Russia. It's bread. Empress Anna will then rename Prince Mikhail to Prince Kwofsky to further punish him. Mm -hmm. She makes him dress like a hen and sit on a straw basket nest for hours just clucking in front of the entire court. Cluck, cluck, cluck. Upon her orders, Empress Anna is terrible. Terrible. He and other fools were forced to sit in rows, cackling and clucking for hours dressed in chicken costumes what a nightmare okay there are no words it's terrible empress cold as ice anna with an ever-developing heart full of venge like vengeful heart limitless power and a whole lot of free time apparently yeah empress anna continues to invent new torments for Prince Mikhail. Like, what's she going to do? Read a book? No. All, all she can do is sit around and dream up evil punishments. Well, apparently just making him dress in a chicken costume and cluck all day was not terrible enough. Empress Anna has got some new plans. This time, she's going to arrange a marriage for Prince Mikhail to an obese, unattractive elderly maid. Advoya Bazhinya. Empress Anna had nicknamed this particular elderly maid pork and onions after her favorite meal. Apparently, this is not a very attractive elderly woman. She has been described as so ugly that even priests were afraid of her. But that's not the worst part. Empress Anna will throw a luxurious wedding for pork and onions and Prince Mikhail. Similar to her own wedding oh, many years before. Mm-hmm. But with some psychotic additions and twists. Fantastic. This is according to Romanov's 1613-1918 by Simon Sabag Montefiore. The empress and a cavalcade of women in national dress from each of the barbarous races processed to the new winter palace in carriages pulled by dogs, reindeer, swine, and camels. After a beautiful ceremony, Empress Anna made Prince Mikhail and Pork and Onions dress up as clowns and place them in a cage. 
Empress Anna then puts the cage on top of an elephant, which is paraded through the streets of St. Petersburg so all the crowds could laugh at the newlyweds. That is also not the worst part of the story. Cage, elephant, parade, procession, right? The parade leads the couple to the destination of their wedding gift. Empress Anna had a 33-foot-high ice palace constructed for the couple in which to spend their wedding night within. Wait a minute. (laughs) How does one keep warm in an ice palace? One does not keep warm in an ice palace, as a matter of fact. Interesting. Well, not this one. So all around the ice palace, there's a fair going on because the people are celebrating the wedding of, oh God. The century, it sounds like. I mean, There's an ice cannon that's shooting real shells into the air. There's an elephant that projects water jets into the air. It's very fancy. (laughs) Which will then freeze into ice. Ice palace, to be honest, is a pretty sadistic Kind, mm-hmm. sadistic kind of gift. Yeah, I'm getting that Anna was a pretty sadistic kind of person. So here, the newlyweds are anticipated to spend their wedding night there, and the palace is entirely carved from ice. Entirely. There are ice chairs, an ice toilet, a four-poster bed with mattress and pillows all carved from ice. There were no linens on the bed, of course. There's even an elaborate staircase in the ice palace made of ice. The log fire that's in the ice palace is made of ice, too. Okay, this really is sadistic. Empress Anna goes through the trouble of having the ice fire lit with naphtha, which is a flammable oil containing various hydrocarbons. Great, so it's smoky in there, too, now. Fantastic. So just before leaving... The newlywed couple there on a cold Russian winter night stripped naked in the ice palace to freeze to death. Empress Anna tells them if they had sex all night, they may be able to keep their bodies warm enough to survive. What did this guy do to Empress Anna? She's just evil, Evil. cold as ice. Mm -hmm. Evil-hearted, cold as ice. Okay, Then Empress Anna has all the guards block all of the exits and adequately amused with her great day at court, she bails. Got other important people to torture somehow. I don't know. Did they die? Not that night. Okay. But they will pass away a few days later of pneumonia, Hmm. which they caught in the ice palace. Catch your death of cold. All right. By the spring of 1740, Empress Anna was seriously ill, probably thank the heavens. In her final days, Anna desperately tries to make her line of the Romanov dynasty stronger than the claims of her beautiful cousin Elizaveta. Anna has no children of her own, so she will name her infant grandnephew as heir, with her lover, Ernst Johann, as regent. Empress Anna will blessedly die of kidney failure on October 17th, 1740, at the age of 47. (laughs) Bye-bye. Cold as ice. I mean. 
Now, in the end, Empress Anna will lose the rivalry with her beautiful cousin Elizaveta. Her grandnephew, Ivan VI, ruled for just over a year. In that time, Elizaveta's faction deposed him and his regent in a successful coup d'etat. The toddler Ivan VI and his entire family was sentenced to life imprisonment. So Hmm. he was not coming back from that. Empress Elizaveta, known as Elizabeth of Russia, will reign from December 1741 to January 1762. 21-year reign, very long, and also very successful. Empress Elizaveta is considered to be one of the most beloved Russian monarchs. During her reign, as a very intense contrast to what came before, Elizaveta does not execute one single person. How did she stay in power? That's oh, Elizaveta abolishes all, all, of, all of those enemies. She just let them. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Elizaveta also abolishes all capital punishment in Russia. Wow. She's a respected stateswoman, implements substantial educational reforms, oversees numerous large construction projects. In her reign in Russia was a time of great peace and hope and joy and prosperity, unlike her trashy, trashy cousin, Empress Anna. I think about that ice palace every day. Yeah, you, you do talk about it quite a bit. What a cruel, cruel ruler. It's such a fascinating thing to think about, like people who choose to be like courtesans in that environment. You know what you're risking. You know, you could anything, you could be made to wear a clown suit or you could be thrown into an ice palace to spend the night naked. Like, you don't know. Every day is an adventure. But the the draw of power, like the people who are drawn to power that way, it's very, it's a very unflattering portrait of everyone involved. I'm glad Russia gets a couple decades of good governance every now and again in its history. Every now and again, we see a few good Russian rulers, but that is a rough, rough place. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking at the stories of history with rulers and yeah, they just can't have nice things. So she's just an all-star because she is immensely cruel in some of the most imaginative ways, right? Like she didn't have a bunch of divorces. (laughs) No, I just wanted to counter when Mm -hmm. we talk about terrible kings, Henry VIII. No, she's an all-star in bad, bad governance. Talk about a terrible female ruler just to counterbalance. Mm-hmm. That particular picture. Hey, hashtag not you. all women. <laughs> but hashtag yes, Empress Anna. It's all <laughs> terrible. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to today's Trashy Romanov's Tale. I, again, that what? one just really kind of sticks to you. Mm-hmm. Cold as ice. Good song choice. Stacy. we're coming back on Sunday with you with a brand new all-star mm-hmm. serving up. Oh, yeah. Grilling up. Yep. A brand new all-star. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, for being awesome. Don't forget, we've got some free episodes over on Patreon. Yep. Go to bit.ly slash trash candy to get that. And in the meantime, if you just if you just want more, we have so much over on patreon.com slash trashy divorces. Until we meet again on Sunday, friends and trash pandas. Build your ice palace. (laughs) No. (laughs) Keep your hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy. Big love, everybody. Have a great rest of the week. Bye. 
and thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there. And thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.